Today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought, America apparently is dying. And according to a keynote speaker at Cornell University, we're dying of whiteness. Yes, whiteness. Speaking of whiteness, there's a church that is, uh, well, in suburban Chicago, the First United Church of Oak Park is it reads there's a sign there that reads or music will be drawn from the african-american spiritual traditions from south african freedom songs from native american traditions and from many many more as long as the song wasn't written by some white person they're fasting from whiteness oh this this whiteness stuff is killing everybody apparently how do you convince people to leave their homes in places that leftist nutcase climate change cultists believe are dangerous and people shouldn't live there like on the beach or maybe on a mountainside wherever anything catastrophic had happened by nature apparently uh, some people just all people rather need to understand they shouldn't live there how to tell people where to live oh another leftist totalitarian scheme my friends how about gun violence? I hate those two words. That's media BS. That's left-wing BS propaganda. And yeah, just shut up, Fox News. You use it as much as anyone else. So stop it. But the other McCain looks at a gun violence update. See, it's not gun violence because guns are inanimate objects, kind of like Joe Biden. And guns don't commit any acts. But thug criminal gangbangers do. But the media will never have that message for you. How about our new Supreme Court Justice? Daniel Greenfield has a piece about her. Did you know she's a black woman who can't define woman? Apparently that's her only qualification because I was just listening to Joe Biden introduce her as a new Supreme Court Justice. Uh, is First and foremost, she's a black woman. Those are accomplishments now, having a skin color and being a certain gender. Even if you can't define that gender, we have have slipped a long way, folks. All that and more today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought. Yes, it's going to be a fun ride and let us kick this pig, my friends.
right, my friends, let's go right to the other McCain and start this show off right. There's a gun violence update there. You remember, I'm sure, the Sacramento shooting that everybody and their brother in the media has called a mass shooting at least 79 times. It's like the, they can't complete a sentence without the two words together, gun violence, as if A, guns are committing violence, and B, it gives credence and credibility to the left's nutcase idea that guns are responsible for crimes. Uh, but the other McCain, Robert Stace McCain, gives us some at least encouraging news. The California media, the rest of the country hasn't caught on yet, was forced to admit that the Sacramento shooting was uh, likely a shootout between criminals, gangbangers, aspiring rappers, thugs. It's all the same. Not a mass shooting. Uh, the other McCain writes, yesterday we told you about the suspects arrested in a weekend massacre in Sacramento that killed six and wounded 12 others. Now there's an important update to the story. This update comes from Breitbart. Uh, the LA Times admitted on Wednesday that Sunday's Sacramento shooting was likely an exchange of gunfire between gang or street crime rivals rather than a, quote, mass shooting, according to the Times. The incident appears to be a result of a fight between rivals that caught bystanders in a crossfire of automatic and semi-automatic weapons fire. Again, street trash killing street trash. Unfortunately, other people got caught up in it, and the street trash killed innocent people. And I'm not even going to get into harsher sentencing when you catch somebody in it committing an act like this everyone that's caught is tried and convicted of it of being involved in it should never get out of prison again but you and i both know that will never happen especially in this state of mark sophonia but i'm so tired of this term gun violence guns are inanimate objects they do not commit crimes they do not load themselves they do not fire themselves. They don't get up in the middle of the night and steal your car or steal the neighbor's car and go and commit drive-by shootings. They don't attend rap concerts and then get into some spat because someone got, quote, dissed, disrespected, and then slaughter each other. Guns don't do that. They're tools. They can be used for bad, they can be used for good, like a hammer, like a saw, like a chainsaw, like a piece of rope, like a lead pipe, like anything else can be used for good or bad. It's an inanimate object. Again, kind of like Joe Biden. Now, the other McCain continues, although gun control was still mentioned by local leaders and office holders, of course, because it's Mark Sifornia, it's got to be gun control. Even the idiot coach, who's a great coach, by the way, of the uh, Golden State Warriors. Great coach, uh, was a pretty good player. Uh, but Steve Kerr still was blaming the lack of gun laws on this happening in Sacramento. And everything he, he said we need in, in, the, in the terms of laws, California already does. He's too stupid to even know the laws he's calling for to stop this kind of thing already exist. 
again, how anybody can be that good of a coach and that dumb as a human being is, is absolutely beyond me. Except to explain it like this. I would guarantee you Steve Kerr doesn't know the first thing about firearms or gun laws or anything else. He hears something, he has an emotional gut reaction to it, and that's it. He emotes, he reacts, and shuts off the brain. Like so many who oppose the Second Amendment. Although, again, uh, Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg talked of early intervention in gang prevention on Tuesday. Well, if you want to prevent gangs, lock gang members up in prison when they get convicted of violent crimes, how about we start there? How, why isn't the mayor of Sacramento kicking, screaming, and raising holy hell at the state legislature and the governor of California for not getting serious about punishing crime, not punishing guns, not making the lives of gun owners a pain in the ass, not regulating and controlling everything? except criminals, of course, especially violent ones. Whatever the solution isn't, they glom onto and blame guns. Sad. Absolutely pathetic. And this term gun violence, I even hear conservatives saying it now. You're not helping yourselves, fools. Don't use the language of the left as if it is accurate. Don't emulate those folks on the left. They don't have our best intentions or this country's best intentions at heart. So for God's sakes, shake your brain, wake it up, and stop using the term gun violence. Unbelievable. And enough about that. If I get going on gun control, I'll never shut up. I'll be like Joe Biden. I was watching some of his introduction to uh, the new Supreme Court justice. Uh, justice, I can't define a woman. I'm not a biologist. Uh, but he was having everybody in the damn crowd stand up. Oh, we got to mention this person. Stand up, man. Stand up. And I'm just, I, every time I see Joe Biden and hear him speak, I, I cannot help but get angry at the millions of people who were stupid enough, uninformed enough. Again, kind of like Steve Trevor gun control probably didn't bother before the election in 2020 to check anything except Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad. You know, when fools vote, everyone loses. And having a right to vote, you have a duty to me, to this country, to be at least minimally informed. Consider the, the bill in Florida that Governor DeSantis just signed. It's not called the don't, don't say gay bill. That's nothing but garbage from the left. And how many times does it get repeated? How about the fact our country's a republic, not a democracy, a constitutional republic, not a democracy, yet conservatives media members, commentators, our democracy, our democracy, our democracy. Seriously, go find a horse, agitate that horse until it kicks you in the face. Maybe it will shake something loose in your brain to stop using the language of the damned left. For God's sake, man, get your head out of your... Exactly. 
Now, let's go to, uh, before we get into the evil of whiteness, let's get into the evil of living on the beach or the coast or somewhere like that. Uh, Slate.com, where bad writers go to be really bad. Uh, apparently, they have a, uh, a technology section. And in their technology section, there's a piece about how do we get people to get uh, to move away from places the left doesn't don't want people to live because they're killing the, the earth with quote climate change. Actually, it took two idiots to write this: Fanella Chang and Ulila Ulila Ulila. God, I can't talk today. Ulila, excuse me, and Penful Ulila Penful. Uh, very pretty name. Uh, and Fanella Chang wrote this. I sorry about massacring your name. Not sorry about calling you a bad writer, because you are, but I'm sorry about mispronouncing your name. And the title of the piece is How to Convince People to Leave Homes that Are at Serious Risk from Climate Change. Shouldn't it be calling climate doom by now? Uh, climate, we're all screwed. Uh, yes, the, the we're all screwed climate. Now, this article apparently is part of a series from Future Tense and the New American Future of Land and Housing Program. God only knows what it is. I haven't looked into it yet, but it's probably not good for liberty, common sense, or anything else. On managed retreat, <laughs> managed retreat, and other adaptations to climate change. Managed retreat. Sounds like something a general would say when he got his ass kicked in a battle. Oh, uh, we're going to have a managed retreat now, but uh, we're still going ahead. We're still going to get them, but uh, some managed retreat. Uh, we're, uh, it's like advancing in reverse. That's what it is. We're advancing on the enemy in reverse. Uh, nearly 100 million Americans live on the coasts. And they are continuing to move there at high rates. Why would you want to live on the coast? I mean, you got the beach, you got chicks in bikinis walking by, you got beautiful scenery. Uh, again, you have extremely high property tax, which is why I would never live there. And yeah, when you live on the coast, like the coast of Florida, I used to, every year growing up in Florida, there was always hurricane season and hurricane warnings, hurricanes, you know, is this one going to hit us? Is that one going to... Uh, it never really did while I was there. Tampa got spared for the most part. But it always amazed me that people live there because you see these houses, you drive along the beaches, the stilt houses, and they're it's glorious views. Uh, but, uh, you know, one good storm and you're screwed. But, hey, if people want to live there and have the insurance, that's their business, man. Free country, right? Very easy. Uh the coastal population, this piece uh, says, has grown by more than 15% since 2000, faster than the rest of the country. And the population of coastline counties in the Gulf of Mexico, which would include Tampa, Florida, uh, region increased by nearly one quarter between 2000 and 2016. Coastal areas have a population density that is more than five times greater than U.S. average. Another reason I never like beach towns. People everywhere. Not only do you feel like you've constantly got sand everywhere, like just plastered to your skin, uh, 
you've got people everywhere. And many of them, people that generally reside in the north, and then they go to the beach in Florida after they retire, and they wear dress socks and dress shoes on the beach and bitch about how hot it is. They also tend to drive slow in the left lane. Yes, I am talking about Yankees. Especially New Yorkers. You know, we don't do it here, sit This way, we don't do it like that back in New York, okay? You see what I'm saying? We don't do this kind of stuff in New York City, okay? Yeah, airplanes are ready when you are, asshole. Take a hike. I'm paraphrasing the great Louis Grizzard, who wrote a piece about the, the Northerners who would come down and criticize everything down here. And his piece was called Delta's Ready When You Are, Yankee, I believe was the title. And my granddad defined these people as this way. He said, you have Northerners. They're good people. They're just like us. And they're good people. They come, they visit. It's great. Then you have the Yankees who come down and live here and complain about everything. And at least they have a good good sense to go home every once in a while. And then you have the damn Yankees. Damn Yankees to him were people who came down here, bitched about everything, complained about us, mocked us, the way we talked and everything else. And then they lived here year, year round in the South. But anyway, enough about uh, bashing New Yorkers and Chicago folks. These coastal hubs are under increasing threat from sea level rise. Vicious hurricanes. Vicious hurricanes. I wonder if the hurricanes have rabies, maybe. Maybe maybe the left can push that lie, too. Uh, vicious hurricanes and other events driven by climate change. The research organization... First Street Foundation found in 2020 that 15 million homes across the United States are at substantial risk of flooding and things are only going to get worse. Scientists project that in a few decades, almost half of Galveston, Texas, more than half of Hoboken, New Jersey, and almost two-thirds of Miami Beach, Florida, will become, become uninhabitable due to sea level rise. Well, those scientists that project that, I'll bet you good money that's nothing but leftist BS because they've been predicting climate doom of some sort since I can remember, okay? All my 56 years, if I can remember it, I remember my parents mocking a cover of it was Time Magazine about the great freeze. We were all going to freeze to death. And uh, I remember being a little afraid of it. I was pretty young and it was kind of upsetting to me. And I remember my mom trying to explain that not, that, that that's not going to happen. And my, my father just said, yeah, basically it's bullshit. And he was right, as usual. But faced with these grim facts, coastal cities, counties, and the federal government are beginning to grapple with how to relocate vulnerable coastal residents. Right now, the most common way to do this is through a process called managed retreat. After a storm damages a home, the government offers a property owner money to move away. Instead of rebuilding, typically the amount of money matches the value of the home, sometimes with a small additional incentive amount. Well, I mean, if, if someone's going to give you X amount of dollars for your home, 
but ain't going to pay extra for your moving expenses. Maybe I mean, the way our government spends money, like it's not real, uh, you know, like it grows on trees behind the White House or something. But over the past 40 years, the government has relocated nearly 45,000 people in this manner. But as the seas threaten to swallow up entire cities, are you panicking yet? That language is supposed to make you panic, panic folks. Oh my God, it's going to swallow a whole city. We're all doomed. Oh God. Uh, the incremental approach is becoming increasingly unrealistic. Kind of like the whole theory of climate change as they preach it to us financially, logistically, and politically. What does politically have to do with it? Nothing, of course. It's also increasingly inequitable. Oh my God, not equity again. Yes, the left's going to inject le- equity into everything. So don't bend over in front of them. Oh, they'll give you an equity enema, folks. It's that bad with these idiots. First, consider the cost. According to Zillow, the typical U.S. home costs $308,000. And coastal homes are significantly more expensive on average than inland properties. Relocating just 10% of the homeowners that uh, First Street Foundation identified as the most vulnerable would cost the government nearly $500 billion. Again, the money's not real anymore. Inflation is, is going to get worse and worse with this idiot in the White House and Democrats in control of Congress. $500 billion is nothing. It, it's, it's imaginary money at this point. So don't say it's money. The fact is most people don't want to leave their homes. They're happy where they are. They want to live on the coast. And the fact is this is a, this is a panic piece targeting liberals who live on the coast to please you're going to leave you're going to leave the earth oh my god oh my god panic 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 and one day they're going to determine the leftist are i'm sure that people just aren't fit aren't made aren't designed nature never intended you to live on the coast and the governments need to just buy that property in hell who knows what they'll do with it They'll probably build up uh, giant statues of Obama and Hillary Clinton or something. But uh, that's what it's leading to. You don't need to live here. Get out. Get out now. I mean now. Get out, get out, get out, get out. And now, let's move on, folks. Let's talk about whiteness. I can barely say the word. It's such a horrible thing, these damn white people. Uh, you know, I grew up being taught uh, that people who were who judged people by their skin color were called something called bigots. Sometimes they were called assholes and other things, but bigots really defines them. And that I was taught that these people were not right. They had a problem. They were jerks. They were malcontents. They were miscreants. And I was taught that's not how you judge people. You ignore their skin color and judge them by the way they act, the way they conduct themselves, the way they treat you and other people. And I still believe that. But the fact is, you're not supposed to think that way anymore. 
You as an American, a good patriotic American, now means, according to leftist doctrine, that you must, no matter what your color is, you must look at white people and say, ew, whiteness, I don't feel good. I think I have food poisoning or something of the whiteness that's killing me. Here's the first story from Moon Battery. Uh, Dave Blunt writes that no wonder church membership is cratering. Moon Battery is doing to Christianity what it does to every pillar of civilization. It infiltrates, subverts, hollows out, and reduces to a disgusting farce. Many nominally Christian churches get their gospel not from the Bible, but the New York Times editorial page. Their objective is to eradicate not sin, but apparently Caucasians and their works. This is a church in suburban Chicago. Uh, their website reads, <laughs> in our worship services throughout Lent, we will not be using any music or liturgy written or composed by white people. Oh, white people. Yuck. Damn pasty Caucasians. The website for the First United Church of uh, Oak Park reads, they need a new name, First United Church of Assholes, maybe. First United Church of Leftist Bigots. Uh, our music, it continues, will be drawn from the African-American spirituals tradition, from South African freedom songs, from Native American traditions, and from many, many more. They'll probably even be rapping about killing Whitey by the time it's over. Hymns are yesteryear, Dave Blunt writes. Now the congregation gets uh, South African freedom songs. And no, I'd sing one for you, but A, I can't sing. Uh, B, I don't know any. And C, I don't like to sing because I can't sing. Except in my head, of course. Head pastor John Edgerton is a white guy himself, Dave Blunt writes. But then many of the left striving the anti-white agenda are, in fact, white. Robin D'Angelo, Joe Biden, uh, and many others. Pretty, uh, there's a lot of race pimps that are white, actually, that are pushing this false narrative that whiteness is even a thing. Uh, this makes sense when you consider the depravity that defines the leftist mindset, uh, Dave Blunt writes. Dislike of whites has been an open, own open display on a large sign in the yard of a church that reads as follows. Fasting from whiteness. What? Fasting from whiteness. I thought fasting involved not eating, not drinking. So unless you were eating white people, which makes you a cannibal, I don't know how you fast from whiteness. In fact, I don't understand the whole mindset of someone waking up in the morning and the first thing, or even in the first hundred things that cross their mind, is whiteness. Don't you have a life to live, kids to raise, hobbies, a job to get ready to go to, something? I mean, don't you have a PBS documentary to watch? Yeah, I know, no one watches those on purpose. But, Whiteness. This Lent, the sign continues, we build our worship life around the voices of black people, indigenous people, and people of color. And apparently whiteness isn't a color. 
Those damn white people are just bad. We're just bad, 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 bad. Um, this is evil. That's what this is. This is teaching another level of hatred. Things are bad if they're produced, made, written by white people. White people are bad. Whiteness is bad. Skin color is bad. I mean, that's uh, that's insanity, my friends. That's absolute mental dysfunction to believe such things. And Dave Blunt sums this up really well, I think. He says, the new religion has no use for souls. There's no point striving for personal redemption when your identity group defines you, you white son of a you-know-what. And unsurprisingly, the First United Church of Oak Park also happens to endorse Black Lives Matter and their uh, mostly peaceful protests. Mostly peaceful, except for you white bastards who have it coming anyway, you and your whiteness. Now let's look at campus reform. There is a a story here that America is dying of, yes, whiteness. And that's according to a Cornell keynote speaker. Now you know that if you are a college campus and you're a keynote speaker, I know one thing about you. You're probably a total jackass. And you're probably a scammer selling a bill of goods to people who like to pretend they're victims. And it's making you rich. You can buy land on the coast. Which is dangerous because of climate catastrophe. And one day the government will take your land from you. So eventually karma will get you if you're one of these keynote speakers. Uh, At the event, students learned how, quote, racial resentment impacts public health. You know, I don't feel so good today. Kind of of gassy and bloated. I don't get it. It might be racial resentment, you know. Whiteness may be causing your your bowels to be in uh, disarray. That's right. Your bowel dysfunction disorder, BDD. Yeah, it's caused by whiteness. You've been listening to white people music? Oh my God, that's it. You've got to divest yourself from whiteness. <coughs> also, students learn how right-wing policies have made life in the United States sicker, harder, and shorter. Sicker, harder, and shorter. Sounds like the porn these, these leftists probably watch religiously. Yeah, I need some porn. I need some sick, hard, short porn. Give me some midgets with muzzles that are throwing up. That's the porn I like. Uh, Peter Cordy wrote this. Cornell University devoted its annual Krieger Lecture. Almost said Kroger. (laughs) Krieger Lecture. It had nothing to do with grocery stores. In American political culture to propagating the idea that white people vote against their own interest due to a supposed resentment of minorities leading to their own untimely demise. So now you white people, with all your damn whiteness, what you're doing is you're so full of racial resentment. You're voting against your own interest. And you resent minorities and you're leading to your own demise. 
Well, isn't that a good thing according to the leftist ideology? Because if no more white people, no more whiteness. Hmm. Of course, the whiteness they're really referring to is capitalism, individual liberties, the idea that God gave you your rights, that they're natural rights, uh, belief in self-defense, self-determination, things like that. That's the real whiteness. It's America. When the left says they want to get rid of whiteness, it means they want to get rid of America. The speech was entitled, Dying of Whiteness. How the, political, how the politics of racial resentment shaped the American pandemic. So now whiteness caused uh, the Wuhan flu, the Chinese bug. Really? That's my fault too? God, I should really have a guilty conscience was given by Vanderbilt professor Jonathan Metzl, who wrote the book Dying of Whiteness, for which the event was named. Now, this event uh, discussed the disproportionate spread of the pandemic. That, Again, thanks for that, China. In underserved communities... The problem of racial attitudes in the U.S., the most, clearly, United States is the most multi, uh, culturally diverse society with races, creeds, religions, so many differences, so many different ethnicities here, and we get along splendidly for the most part. When the left will shut up, we get, get along almost incredibly well. Until the left starts stirring up things and making people angry at each other and hating each other because the left has to have division to eventually destroy what is great, like America. Uh, according to Cornell's Director of American Studies and Professor of Literature in English, Shirley Samuels said in a comment to the Cornell Chronicle, it further discussed the way the resistance to the motto of Black Lives Matter you know, because people actually see what Black Lives Matter is doing. Like buying really fat real estate with the money they're supposed to be committing social justice to, to opposing the nuclear family and families, things like that. Yeah, they don't like that either. And pushing communism and hatred for America uh, constantly. And yeah, for all those damn mostly peaceful protests, also known as violent riots. <clears throat> Uh, let me see. But the way that resistance to the motto of Black Lives Matter has intersected with anti-Asian prejudice. Yeah, remember all the uh, all the video of all those, especially in New York and other big cities, Asian person after Asian person getting attacked. And every one of them was attacked by a black person. That's white supremacy. It works in weird ways. That's how just detached from reality these people are. This is how detached they are. They live in their own bubble and nothing penetrates that bubble. Nothing. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, all that, <clears throat> the anti-Asian prejudice, the prejudice by white people and everything, the fact they don't like Black Lives Matter, uh, has made attitudes about masking and vaccination hinge on ideas about race specifically whiteness. Yeah, I remember, hear, remember hearing a lot about uh, vaccines from the 
anti-vaxxers to the people hesitant to the people who really uh, were not did not trust the vaccines fully to the people who called them all evil people because they weren't getting vaccines <clears throat> and basically that's to be expected you're always going to have skeptics you're always going to have debate you're always going to have disagreement those aren't necessarily unhealthy things and most of the really vile stuff i heard was from the left calling anyone who didn't get a vaccine unfit to live in the United States, basically, and calling for them to be jailed and fined and punished and have their children taken away. <clears throat> That's that leftist tolerance you hear so much about. The concept of whiteness has faced vast academic scrutiny outside of Cornell as campus reformers reported on a number of the most prestigious universities in the country partnering to organize an event titled Whiteness is Shankara, racial, injustice, or racial justice as Buddhist practice. So now the Buddhist hates white people too. Good Lord, does anybody like me? For me, I'm just a white guy. Apparently the Buddhists hate me. Everyone hates me. Damn my whiteness. It's so unfair. Uh, that program... The Whiteness is a Shakara. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Racial justice as Buddhist practice. That argued that whiteness is based on delusion. So now I'm crazy too. Why the hell not? And produces suffering and must be relinquished. At least they didn't say extinguished yet. <clears throat> uh, a University of California Berkeley professor where are the craziest sons of you know what in um, in the world, perhaps? At the University of Cal Berkeley, folks. A professor there went viral for stating to abolish whiteness is to abolish white people. In a lecture titled, Teaching Whiteness in a Multicultural Context in Colorblind Era. Well, I'll give you my address if you, if you promise to come do it in person there, jackass. We'll see who's still standing at the end of that. Uh, Metzel is the director of Vanderbilt's Department of Medicine, Health, and Society, don't you know? A professor of psychiatry and the author of several books, including The Protest Psychosis, How Schizophrenia Became a Black Disease, Prozac on the Couch, Prescribing Gender in the Era of Wonder Drugs, and Against Health, How Health Became the New Morality. Uh, Pretzel previously wrote an op-ed for the Washington Compost titled, It's Time to Talk About Being White in America. But this guy's got a heart on for white people, doesn't he? And not in a good way. Not in a friendly, I want to hump your leg like the neighbor's German Shepherd. Not like that. Uh, da -da 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 -da. He claims in that piece that the GOP platform depends on rendering even its working-class white supporters expendable. All the language I've mentioned from the left get toward white people, including dismissing us all as a disease, basically, the disease of whiteness, that's like some virus and needs to be exterminated. You know, we're the people with hate in our hearts? No, no, no. And also, white Americans are literally dying from Trump's brand of identity politics. 
Will they ever lose their hatred of Trump, their obsession? Will they? I really don't think so. I, I t- these people, 30 years from now, could get a case of food poisoning from eating something from, uh, I don't know, uh, the fridge that's been in the back of the fridge for two weeks, and they would blame Trump somehow. If their dog just up and died, they would blame Trump. Everything bad, they blame Trump. Uh, He also blames racial resentment from white voters for blocking the Affordable Care Act and defunding government programs. He's just an all-around great guy, this Metzl. This Metzl clown. He's a really nice guy, apparently. Unless you're white or a capitalist. Uh, Very, uh, very interesting, my friends. do yourself a favor at some point, just Google this guy's name and just read some of the things he's written. I was going through it uh, yesterday and it is truly, truly entertaining in a very sad type of way. The leftist people who talk about hate and bigotry and white supremacy, they are the most bigoted people I have ever seen had interchanges with in my life. Their hate literally is a bottomless pit, my friends. A bottomless pit. And really, they they talk about white supremacists. They talk about uh, the Klan. Are there still skinheads around? I don't even know. But they talk about these, these white supremacists. And yeah, if you turn over enough rocks, you'll find a few. But... They talk about them, yet they are even worse than the white supremacists are. You know, the Clueless Klutz Klan members who only shop on at white sales at pennies to get a bunch of sheets, they are despicable people. But the leftists who are always pretending that is who all white people are, they're worse They're the biggest, most grossly uh, despicable bigots you will ever encounter are leftist bigots. They are so extreme. They are dangerous. Their ideas are dangerous. And I'm going to call them out. You're nothing but a bunch of bigots. And I urge everyone to think when they hear this rhetoric from the left, just think and do a little research. Google some of these people that wrote this book or wrote that piece or, or going across college campuses speaking and look at their background. See what they're really about, my friends. And now the, the last story of the day. Since we did had uh, a new Supreme Court justice named Katanji Brown Jackson, who will officially, I guess, join the court when Breyer officially steps down. I believe we'll be over the summer, June, July, maybe. But anyway, when he steps down, she will officially become a Supreme Court justice. Uh, But Daniel Greenfield, who is a national treasure, one of the best writers you will ever, ever endeavor to read. He's a wise man, deeply respect the man. He's almost as cool as I am. And you know how cool I am, so, (laughs) you know. But he wrote a piece called called Opposing, good Lord, Opposing Sexual Abuse of Children is the New Hate. 
just yesterday, in fact, this came out. After four days of spent falsely accusing Justice Kavanaugh of sexual assault in high school, the Senate finally encountered a Supreme Court nominee with a horrifying sexual abuse record. And no, it wasn't Brett Kavanaugh. And we weren't allowed to talk about it. There is no way to know how many children had their lives ruined and their innocence stolen because Judge Gatanji Brown Jackson insisted on going easy on child pornography traffickers. When Republicans tried to bring up Jackson's horrifying actions, the media shouted them down. The Los Angeles Times called Republicans asking Jackson basic questions about why Judge Katanji Brown Jackson refused to lock up pedophiles sickening. Vanity Fair called it vile. And Vox denounced it as grotesque. And hey, that's Vox, pretty much the most grotesquely awful website you can ever come across. Uh, Do you know what's truly sickening, vile, and grotesque, Greenfield asks? When sentencing one pedophile... Jackson claimed that his crimes, which included, I don't like to say what I'm going to say to describe these things, but you need to have context, folks. And if, if, you've, if you're listening and a little kid, maybe you want to have him leave the room. But Jackson claimed that his crimes, which included possession of a video of a prepubescent boy being penetrated anally and orally, were not particularly egregious. Not particularly egregious. No wonder this idiot can't define the word woman. She can't, certainly can't mentally define detestable sexual predator who basically, I'm sorry, when you get convicted of that, in in my world, your your punishment ought to be as soon as your appeals are done. You're taking out back and uh, a nine millimeter is a bullet is put in your head and you're done. And as far as I'm concerned, you can you can go f- feed your body to hogs because you're evil, evil, evil. But apparently those crimes, again, anally and orally penetrating a prepubescent boy, those crimes weren't particularly egregious. I don't know how the hell or what what kind of dictionary Katanji Brown Jackson reads from, but I've never seen that dictionary. I don't think any other normal human being has either. 227 leftists were arrested when they staged an insurrection during the Kavanaugh hearing because his high school yearbook contained a supposed coded reference to making out with a high school girl. For most high school boys, that code is, it never really happened, and he's making it up to try to save face. To his friends, that never had that happen either. But remember that, 227 leftists stormed the proceedings with the Kavanaugh hearings. I don't know if it's an insurrection or not, but uh, it wasn't pretty. It was it was pretty frightening. Of course, it's nothing like January 6th, the worst thing to ever happen anywhere at any time to anybody over anything. January 6th is worse than everything else bad, put together, multiplied by 12. Uh, The media annotated the yearbook of a man in his 50s 
speculating that Orioles versus Red Sox, who won anyway, could be jokes about being blackout drunk. Again, I, you try to make sense of it, folks. But we're not allowed to ask a judge who wants the top job in the country why she sentenced a violent child rapist to only 12 months, one year, with time served after he had lied about his whereabouts. Now, why would you worry about it where a child predator was about his whereabouts? So why would you be concerned there? I mean, please, I'm sure he's just uh, trying to buy kids Slurpees or something at the 7-Eleven. Instead of being locked up for a few years, he was out and committed. This is shocking. He was out and committed another sexual assault, at which point Jackson once again went easy on him. That didn't happen in 1982. That happened in 2017, a year before the Kavanaugh hearings. But if we talk about any of this, it's called bigotry. It's called hate. Opposing the sexual abuse of children is the new hate, apparently. And every defender of sexually abusing children has jumped into the cause. The Oscars, whose leading lights are responsible for more sexual assaults than an entire prison full of rapists, use their form to attack Florida's effort to protect children from sexual grooming in schools with the Parental Rights Bill, which they and their media smear as don't say gay. The left has embraced pedophilia in its Supreme Court nomination and in its opposition to parental rights. It rants that only haters would think that there's anything wrong with going easy on pedophiles and that unrelated adults talking to kindergarten about sex is a civil right. And anyone who opposes it is a horrible bigot. No one who isn't a pedophile or a jackass agrees. Even 52 to 30, 52% to 36% of Florida Democrats support banning teachers from pushing sex on children. 52% of Democrats in Florida. That's a majority, by the way, leftists. Nationally, the vast majority of Republicans, independents, Democrats, and human beings agree with the words of the bill. Classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through third grade. Gee, I didn't see the words don't say gay in there at all. I guess it wasn't actually in the bill. But Democrats don't know that. At least the liberal ones don't. Disney, the former employer of Harvey Weinstein, and dozens of sex offenders agreed. Do you know that they've had employees arrested for some type of malfeasance, shall we say, with children the past 11 years running? Yeah. That's Disney for you. Who gets to decide, Greenfield asked. As New York Magazine's Jonathan Chait put it, DeSantis DeSantis's threats to Disney is what post-Trump authoritarian authoritarianism look like. So cracking down on child predators is now authoritarian. <laughs> wow. Author authoritarianism has now come to mean letting parents and voters, rather than a major corporation, decide whether anyone who manages to obtain a teaching license should be pushing creepy sexual agendas on school children as opposed to the public-private pedophilia 
partnership that is fueling the hate campaign against parental rights. That's pretty powerful from Greenfield, that last paragraph, folks. A decade ago, the Sun Sentinel noted that over 175 Florida teachers had their teaching license pulled for sexual misconduct. An elementary school teacher in Naples admitted to sexually abusing at least 19 children. Despite a little girl reporting Mr. Manley touches people's private parts, the educational system covered up for him and kept him on the job. An investigation published this year noted that Manley began molesting children his first day on the job, and there wasn't a single month during his employment at Parkside when he wasn't abusing students, children, small children. They're paying the price for leftism now. I say it often, leftism destroys everything it touches. And yes, that includes innocent children, my friends. A few weeks ago, Greenfield continues, a Brevard County middle school teacher was busted by the South Florida Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force the ICAC, for soliciting nude photos. Who thinks it's a good idea to authorize these types of people to talk to six-year-olds about sex? It ain't me. It ain't Ron DeSantis. It's not Daniel Greenfield. And I would bet good money it's not any of you listening. Besides Disney, Katanji Brown-Jackson, and every major celebrity with an Instagram account, because it's so cool to say, don't say gay, like you actually know what you're talking about. The media deems talking about this to be homophobic, transphobic, and when discussing Jackson's hands-off policy on pedophiles, racist. Protecting children is hateful. Standing up for their innocence is bigoted. Opposing pedophilia is almost certainly some sort of hate crime. Jackson cannot answer what a woman is because she's not a biologist. Nor could she answer what a, a child deserves the right to live. After generations of embracing the murder of babies as the highest form of feminism, leftists now insist that the only real women are men and that any babies they don't manage to kill in the womb should be subjected to sexual grooming, puberty blockers, and any other monstrous tools for destroying their futures and their bodies. Unlike Jackson's decision to hand a mandatory minimum sentence to a monster who uploaded a video of a prepubescent girl being sexually assaulted, which is instead seen as loving. Again, bullet to the head. Proper punishment. If the left, if the left actually cared about women and children, there would be 227 protesters arrested to condemn the very thought of Jackson tainting the Supreme Court with her sickening presence. Instead, we're lectured that Jackson's nomination is historic because while there have been many black men on the bench and women of all shades, she, she checks a box that has not yet been checked beyond the box of pedophile enabler, which was not born into, but honestly earned. And we're told that pushing sex on kindergarten is also a wonderful form of love for them, as if that weren't the argument that every pedophile before them had made 
since time immemorial. Now the left wants pedophilia in the curriculum and on the Supreme Court as an act of love. Love means fighting for the right to groom six-year-olds and to free child molesters. Hate has come to mean fighting for women and children, whether for their right to privacy and, mod and modesty, or to be free of the sexual coercion and abuse that has become the left's signature form of love. Leftism, leftist chorus that anyone who opposes this leftist love is practicing hate. But behind this love is the worst kind of hate. And behind what the left falsely condemns as hate is real love. So pick a side, my friends. That's the entire piece from Daniel Greenfield. Uh, I usually don't read it all, but uh, it's a little shorter piece than he usually does. Uh, very powerful. And I just couldn't stop. And by God, this matters. This does matter. These are children, children, babies. And you have the most sickening, disgusting human beings on earth. To me, are pedophiles. There's nothing worse. Nobody worse. No crime is worse. And when you have a, a justice on the Supreme Court who has a judge had the opportunity to lock them up for a long time, people convicted of pedophilia. She saw nothing particularly egregious and gave them mandatory minimum sentences so they could get out sooner and, well, hurt more kids. Because that's something with pedophiles, something with a thing with them. They can't stop themselves. I remember the story of a man in, uh, I it was Florida. And he, when he was sentenced for killing a little girl, I believe she was eight or nine, for killing her after doing whatever he wanted to as a pedophile, he begged. This man who was sick had enough in him to beg the judge not to release him. He said, don't do it. You can't let me out. I will do it again. I cannot stop myself. And the judge had no choice. He'd been given, I guess, the, as tough a sentence as he could be. And you know what happened after he was let out? The little eight, nine-year-old girl, she paid for it. Not just with her life, but with ungodly, untold suffering and horror before that death. And now we have such a uh, such a wonderful person on the court, and it's historic because she's a black woman. And again, I guess it's a victory for pedophiles. It ain't a victory for justice. It's not a victory for what's right. It's not a victory for America or for victims or for little children. It's not justice at all. It's another despicable failure of the left in this country to do the most basic, decent thing. That's what it is. I don't know what else to say, my friends. That's it for me. Thank you. Uh, write your congressman, your senator. Raise holy hell with them. 
maybe send some letters to the White House, maybe protest. Maybe if, if Joe Biden got protest every time he, he gave a speech from a few people, at least with signs condemning what Katanji Brown Jackson did in that sentencing, maybe that would do some good. I think the most good you can do is just don't vote for Democrats. We know where they stand far too often. But God bless you, my friends. Thank you for listening. I will be back on Sunday to do another one. Have a very good weekend. Uh, Three rules to life, my friends. Three golden rules, I call them. Go Gators. If you're left, you just ain't right. And God bless America. If you got little kids, protect them. Do your best by them. And fight like hell to protect them from, God, I can't believe I'm saying public schools in some cases. I know here there's a big fight in Virginia because a, a, a boy who identified as a girl wanted to be you uh, able to use the girl's restroom. No, oh, he put on a dress and he raped a teenage girl. And what did they do? They sent him to another school. And you know what he did at that other school? He raped another girl in the bathroom. Or maybe it was just technically called sex, sexual assault. I'm sure that makes her feel better, right? This is Doug Hagen for the Daily Gator Daily Thought. I will talk to you Sunday. God bless you. Take care. Be good, my friends. God bless America. God bless you. And uh, thank you for everything. Thank you for the patronage. Now go try to have a good day, knuckleheads. God bless.